Welcome to the Pastors Podcast. This is Pastor Scott, and with me today are Nicole Austin. Hello. And Leslie Kozier. Hi, everyone. And we are going to spend a little bit of time talking about royal family kids. Um, before we do that, how are you guys doing? Good. Doing all right? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you've been back from camp for... Couple weeks. Couple, Couple weeks. weeks now. I think this is week. Is two. this week two? Mm-hmm. It's been two two weeks since. Like, have you recovered? Are you like sleeping all right? You... Or not yet? Yes, definitely recovered from RFK. I think the whole like still recovering from the whole summer, but from RFK, fair yeah, fair, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, the kids are back in school. Yes, that is true. That is good. Which is, well, either <laughs> you, you might, I don't know, maybe you're recovering from that too. It's know. possible. That's possible. <laughs> yeah. How are you, how are you and Josiah doing? We're good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still think I'm in recovery in some ways. Yeah. Um, but it's, sometimes it's hard to know, is that, is that royal family? Yeah. Is it just life? Yeah. I also recently, this is a tangent, but I re, I recently this past week got a smartwatch that now tells me how I slept. Ah yes, that's a dangerous. And so thing. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm sleeping the same as I always have. But my watch is telling me I'm not sleeping that well. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that kind of like it's kind of creepy. Yeah, it's like you've gotten one hour of deep sleep and t- nine hours of light sleep. Oh, it'll tell me things like that. Oh. So uh, all that to say, <laughs> I'm kind of in my head about sleep. Yeah, I asked the wrong question. Yeah, this is a sleep podcast. That's right. Well, so uh, there might be a bunch of people who have no idea what we're talking about. We're talking about right. camp. We're talking about when you guys got back. Royal Family Kids is a camp that our church puts on um, in conjunction with a national wide organization called Royal Family Kids, um, putting on camp for foster kids, but. I, for those that are unfamiliar, why don't I let you guys explain what it is and why we uh, are a part and why we participate with Royal Family Kids? I'm going to let Leslie take that one. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the the sort of overview of the camp is that we um, have a program, a summer program, that is five days where we invite um, foster families to send their foster children between the ages of 6 and 12 uh, up to a campground um, somewhere in Southern California within a two-hour drive. And uh, we give them a week of positive. And by campground, you mean like, like, a, like a camp? Like not tents and like fire pits. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. a good clarification because people actually, people <laughs> ask that a lot, like, are we sleeping on the floor kind of thing? Uh-huh. Um, but no, it's 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 a campground with a cabin yeah. and bunks, yeah. et cetera. Um, and part of why it's that and not, you know, you don't like literally like pitch a tent and make a fire is because uh, the camp is called Royal Family Kids Camp. And we our goal of the camp is really to give the kids a week of royal treatment. So to mm. treat them. Um, just spoil them, treat them like we would royalty uh, mm. with the utmost, um, uh, I, I, I was going to say utmost respect, but that's not it. It's mm. just like um, just with uh, just valuing them as, um, you know, the, 
the highest and most respected in our society rather than, you know, what they experience day to day, which is often just being, you know, the lowest of the low and the mo- marginalized. Yeah, it's so, it's so interesting because it, it makes me think about what you would do if you had a guest for a week mm-hmm. who was like prestigious. 100%. Right? Yeah. Like if you had a guest for, if, if they were in town right. in LA for the week, like, and you were going to take a week off to spend with them, right? Yeah. You, you wouldn't just be like, well, this is what I normally do. Right. Right. Like I, you know, have... I, we, we cook hamburgers on Tuesday and so we're going to have hamburgers at Tuesday. Like, like right. you'd take them out. You'd like, you'd pull out all the you'd stops. pull out all the stops to exactly. like, to show yeah. them whether, whether it was family or friends or even just, right. yeah. Like, like this is about you Yes, and we're here for you. Mm-hmm. And that's what you would do with royalty. I, I also recently had a revelation about this because I for, have been serving in this ministry a long time and it's, you get used to this idea that you give them the royal treatment, you know, it's just mm-hmm. something you say. Um, but I was watching the great British Bake Off or the British Bake Off and, um, they had a whole theme around what you would do if you were cooking for a royal family and the centerpiece. And it was like the like finale was that. Mm. And for some reason it's silly, but it just made me think of camp. Like even in the context of this TV show, there's this idea of reverence for royalty and, Mm. and people like that. And like, how often do we really stop and think, what does it mean that we're treating these kids that way? Mm. Um, and to, and to truly like internalize that. Uh, so mm. yeah, it's, I mean, it's great. We, we have a ton of fun at camp. Mm. That's what we do for the week. <laughs> That's so cool. And yeah. then I think the, the added piece of it is that, you know, we're considered to be a faith-based camp. And so we obviously talk about God and talk about Jesus. And, and one of the things that we're really trying to do is to show these kids the love of God and show these kids that God loves them. And so if we talk about the idea of being co-heirs with Christ as believers, yeah. the mm-hmm. idea is that, you know. We're not just are, pretending they're royalty. Right. Mm-hmm. They, they are, are potential yeah. future princes and princesses mm-hmm. exactly. of the of the kingdom. And so we want to treat them like image. that. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it's so, even as you were describing it, it strikes me because like this is the picture of, this is Jesus. This is what Jesus' kingdom is like, mm-hmm. right? His his upside down kingdom, where he says, "Look, look, yeah, like this is," and and I think the general tendency would be, be like, "Hey, you know, if you're in the foster system, if you're like, hey, if, if I do anything for you, that's like a plus. So we should just yeah. go to camp, and even if we just do camp, just something campish, like even if it's like not quite the most exciting thing I've ever done, but if I just do it for you at all, that's a huge plus. So you know, yeah, you'd be grateful." But to flip things on its head and say, well, wait, no, we want to do something. We don't just want to do it, right? We want to pull out all the stops yeah. and make it as Go a, above a, and beyond. Yeah, yeah. What an incredible um, both blessing and means of communicating yeah. the realities of the gospel, the realities of Jesus's upside down kingdom, um, both to these kids and I think probably to ourselves too right, as we engage. So um, how did how did each of you get involved with Royal Family Kids? I can. <laughs> you, did, you did first, I can right? share. Yeah. 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 My involvement started quite a while ago now, um, almost nearing 10 years ago, which is crazy. But I was at UCLA and um, essentially felt you know, I, I wasn't really aware of anything related to the foster care system apart from the fact that it exists and that there are children in it. Um, and I was 
growing in my faith and uh, processing through my own life in the context of relationship with the Lord and, you know, the journey he's had me on, I guess. And um, something that stood out to me and that I was contemplating a lot at that time in that season of life was my own, um, I guess, just my how my family and parents' relationship had impacted me. Uh, and, you know, not to say there was there was no abuse in my home, but, like, I had a somewhat of a broken family. And I had found that there were people who, from the church, who really, like, took me in and invested in me and mentored me and chose to do that. And I experienced so much healing from what I experienced as a kid into adulthood. I experienced a lot of healing through those bonds and those relationships. So that's sort of a long-winded way of saying that I, as I was, you know, becoming more confident in my faith and experiencing that healing— I felt like I really wanted to sort of pay it forward in the, you know, most uh, cliche way to put it. I I felt that I had experienced healing and I wanted to know how I could do that for others. So, um, you know, I was thinking about I had Googled big sister programs and things like big brother programs and those things um, just because I didn't know. I was like, oh, well, I, you know, I vaguely understand that kids in the foster system have had a hard time. Maybe I can do some good there. So it really was, it felt at the time, obviously, it was God leading me there, but very surface level um, in that it was just simply I had experienced something, and then I experienced God's healing in it, and then I wanted others to know the same. But I really didn't know that much about foster care in general at that time still. Um, However, uh, my uh, college fellowship that I was part of there were lots of people involved in royal family from a church in Pasadena. Mm. Sorry, this is too long. No, okay. you're okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, so the college fellowship I was part of had a, um, not really a partnership, but they were in community with people, a church in Pasadena uh-huh. who had a royal family kids camp. And so I was aware that a lot of my peers were volunteering every summer for this. And one of the things that stood out to me about RFK in my Googling and all of that stuff and trying to search for some way to to mentor or, you know, quote, give back. Um, the thing that stood out to me most about RFK was that it's faith-based, as Nicole mentioned, um, and that they're very just bold about the gospel and the fact that God is the one who brings the true healing. And I felt really drawn by that because I just, I felt like if I had joined this mentorship that maybe didn't have a faith-based foundation, I might always feel, you know, compromised or unsure how to share about what I believe to be like the true healer for these kids. And so the thing that actually brought you healing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I ended up, um, all that to say, I ended up volunteering at Royal Family uh, Mm -hmm. Kids and for that summer and that church happened to also be starting a mentorship during the school year. So that appealed to me uh, as well. And I fell in love with it. I volunteered as a support staff and I just love the kids. I mean, they, they totally, that experience just completely changed my life. Mm. Um, getting to meet the children, learning more about where they come from, but also learning more about where they are going or could be going. And, um, so I started that year as a support staff. I ended up mentoring a child during the school year from that camp, um, and I continued on to mentor her, 
to mentor her. I continued on to mentor her through uh, even after I graduated from school, even after that church ended up ending their partnership with Royal Family just because they had done it for a long time. Um, They sort of closed that chapter, but I was already in this girl's life, so I ended up continuing to mentor her. Um, So, yeah, I mean, all that to say that eventually Mm. um, Cornerstone was interested in starting a camp. So, yeah, yeah, I had some experience with them. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's that's its own. That's that's its own story. Um, But and Nicole, your first experience was here at the Cornerstone camp, right? Correct. So I was sitting in church one Sunday and Leslie was talking about this camp that we were starting. And I, I have shared this before, not on a podcast, but I feel like there are not a lot of times where I feel God being like, Hey, pay attention to this. in in so in, in not so many words, but I felt, I felt that as she was talking and I was like, wait, wait, not every sermon. I mean, everyone you preach, Scott. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I, I was sitting there and I was thinking, well, that doesn't really make any sense. Like, I have three kids of my own. I know nothing about the foster care system. I, my husband's schedule, because he's an actor, you never know, if, you know, I can't just like disappear. But at the time, I didn't know it was an overnight camp. Somehow I missed <laughs> that. So I was like, well, I could probably do it. Like, I could probably make that work or whatever. And um, the fact that I announced it incorrectly, God used that for good. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And so I started talking to Leslie about it, realized it was an overnight camp. But by that point, I was in. It was too late. It was too late. It was too late. Um, and so we had sort of talked about the possibility of me being in some kind of leadership or staff role, but I really wanted to experience what it would be like to be a counselor. And so the first year that we did it, I was a counselor, um, and then the last three years, two in person and one on Zoom, I have been in the role of dean of women, which okay. is sort of a, a under Leslie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and helping to facilitate and oversee the Yeah, the helping to facilitate and oversee the counselors. Yeah, exactly. Cool. All right, so um, in brief— how I we, I feel like you guys could we we could talk about like the camp and the week of camp like to, but I, and I, I want to talk about RFK more broadly but even just specifically you guys have been back for a couple of weeks how how was this year's camp I mean it it was the first camp back after the year of Zoom yeah right and I know it was you didn't even know if you were going to do it it was it was right. kind of like a yeah. you know like everything else this year like are we gonna pull this off but it happened mm-hmm. and. Yeah. You got to it without any COVID outbreaks, and everybody like was able <laughs> to. I mean, I mean, so many answered prayers. How how did uh, how did camp go? It went great. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's interesting. So you know, the first year was controlled chaos because we were learning so much as we were doing it. We more had more chaos than control. Well, yeah. <laughs> it had we had so much support from RFK. It's such a great organization. They give us so much guidance. And mm-hmm. Leslie obviously had a ton of experience, but the rest of us were doing it for the first time. Um and then the second year we sort of had that under our belt, had new challenges. We've mm-hmm. been told by the organization every year is going to feel brand new in some ways. Then we did a year on Zoom, mm-hmm. which was Fine, but obviously it was not exactly the experience that we wanted to be able to give the kids. So this year, it felt like there was just a lot kind of going into it of like, 
can we still do this? What does this look like? Obviously, COVID, we were, I mean, the number of meetings and discussions we had around how we were going to even do this. And and we got a significantly later start in planning because we weren't sure we were going to be able to do it up until kind of the last minute. Um, all of which is to say, I mean, it was incredibly good. I mean, I think that we really felt, you know, Scott, you came up for part of a day to kind of just check out how things were going and check in on us. And, Mm -hmm. um, and we had a a brief conversation that Mm -hmm. I feel like really expressed so much of how I feel about how Mm -hmm. camp went this year, which is that God knew exactly the camp we needed this Mm -hmm. year for the long-term health and well-being of the ministry. Mm -hmm. I feel like we didn't have a lot of crises. We worked incredibly smoothly as a team. We really felt united in Christ as a team, which always happens at camp, but I think in some ways we felt it even more this year. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a much smaller number of kids than we've had in the past, um, which I think for both Leslie and I, we had moments where we were like, man, we're putting in a lot of effort mm-hmm. for these 11 children. Mm-hmm. And we had to just sort of keep reminding each other, like, this is what God does. Yeah. Like, God goes after the one, you know? Yeah. And like, we had this funny conversation a, a couple of weeks, months, I don't know, before we went to camp. And I had said, you know, even if it's 12 kids, it'll be worth doing. And she was like, yeah, even if it's 10. And I just think it's so classic that God brought us 11. Like, it was just <laughs> like, it was perfect. And so I think it it gave us a lot of confidence going into future years of the ministry that, like, we know how to do this. We have the the team we have the resources, and and ultimately God will be with us. Mm. So, um, yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Mm. What um, what was surprising for you, Leslie? I mean, you you like were you work so hard, and there's so much preparation that goes into it, so much training. So, um, what were you surprised by um, this year? I am surprised we didn't have any COVID cases. <laughs> I was fully emotionally prepared for that. Um, yeah, I like Nicole said, I, I think there were a lot of things about this year that were different. The past, so this would be our fourth, fourth year in mm-hmm. operation, including the virtual one. And in a lot of ways, it's always felt new because the second year we were different campgrounds. So we're like, okay, we got to take the learnings from the first year, apply to the second year. Third year, it was, we can't even do yeah. a physical camp. So now you have to learn how to do a virtual camp, which was never even part of your training, um, et cetera. And then this year it was after having not had camp for a couple years, uh, physical camp for a couple years, it was now we have to learn how to have camp during COVID, <laughs> yeah. COVID times. Mm. Um, I think the most surprising thing to me was that in some ways it was easier to pull off in the timeline that we had, mm. which was compressed about half, you know, usually takes six months to a year to plan and we plan this one in two to three months and I was surprised that it came together as smoothly not to say there weren't like hiccups as there always are but 
as smoothly as it did. I was surprised by that. And I, I agree that it would, it helped me feel confident going forward. Um, but a lot of that just came from the, the weighing of do we do it or do we not do it and spending so much time wondering about that and then finally deciding. And then the, the new wondering was now that we've decided to do camp, the new wondering is, can we actually pull it off? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, you know, it's silly, but I think the biggest surprise is just that we, we pulled it off mm. and, um, well, God pulled it off, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. but, um, I also, I mean, I shouldn't be surprised by this because it's like saying you're just surprised that God is good <laughs> and big and faithful. But, um, I think in some ways I am surprised that we pulled it off and that everyone is healthy and all of the things, just all of the fears, there really was never, with with all the things that could go wrong, almost nothing did. Mm. And it, it's being on the other side of that and looking back and saying, wow, okay, we prayed the whole time, Lord, we're going to be faithful and pursue this. We think this is what you want, mm-hmm. but we don't know for sure. Yeah. Close a door if it's meant to not happen, mm. w- regardless of what that looks like, which now can look a myriad of ways with somebody potentially getting sick or wh- whatever. Yeah. Um, and we were just praying that the whole time um, and really leaning on him to show us whether to move forward or whether to just not hold camp this year. And I feel very affirmed and rewarded in that sense of Mm. looking back, I feel affirmed that we made the right choice and that we followed the Lord in obedience Mm. in it. Um, Even though you didn't, there were so many unknowns. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And even some fears. Yeah. And, and he could, and he could have done something different, but he, he didn't. He, he, right. Right. Lay this all out. And there were so many moments in planning where we just kept saying, like, you know what, we're we're holding camp in our hands and our hands are open. Like, it, like when we weren't sure if we were going to find a social worker, when we weren't sure if, you know, the campground was going to work out for the weekend we wanted, if we were or for the week we wanted. There were just so many times along the way where, where we weren't sure we were going to have the right number of volunteers, the right number of kids. Right. Like, there were just so many times along the way where it was like in the planning where we were like, this could all go down in a, in a moment. Right. But we were like, ultimately, if God wants camp to happen, it's going to happen. And and we're just going to keep pushing forward until mm. such time as we're not supposed to. And so, yeah, that was pretty it's crazy. Cool. Okay. So how, how many, how many volunteers came up with you this year? 26. 26. Yeah. And like two years ago, how many volunteers did you have? Something like that. I think we had almost 60. We had 57. Volunteers or, or, or total? Or, yeah, because yeah. we usually try to take twice the number of adults to children. And we had almost, let's see if my math is about to, I'm about to be added is the 50, as being really is bad the at math. 57 stu- uh, kids so, and? No, because no. we, we had almost 30 kids. Wow. And oh, then right. almost 60 adults. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember the exact I numbers. I mean, it, as, as you were describing it, as I was thinking about it, I mean, first of all, it, it was... I was only up there for an afternoon, but this is the first time I'd gotten to see mm-hmm. uh, it in practice and um, have done um, similar camps 
previously, but I was just so blown away by the care for the volunteers and the care for the kids and the, um, in a situation that can be in one ways really stretching and hard. Um, also the, the preparation and determination and faithfulness just around every corner, right. Of every person. It struck me as you were talking, like, as a church, our MO is very much like we prioritize people and relationships over mm-hmm. programs. And this is why we don't have like huge, um, many huge anythings, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, and at the same time, we do VBS and we have a Harvest Festival and we put on conferences and, and things like that. I, I think RFK is the single most like largest event like volunteer geared event we do as a church, like other than Sunday services. Hmm. Um, I think it requires the most amount of time, the most sacrifice of time and the most people of any, like I can't think of an event that requires more. Yeah. And it's, um, it just seems so appropriate that that wouldn't be so that we could like, you know, draw more families or draw more people like X or people like Y and like, you know, that that it wouldn't be for, um, in essence ourselves. Uh, but the opportunity that that effort is expended for the sake of these kids, for the sake of foster kids, whether it's a dozen or three dozen in our city. Um, yeah, I'm just so thankful for both of your leadership in that because it I think it it displays exactly what Jesus wants our church family to be about. Um so thinking about that, I you also talked about your previous experience involved not just camp but mentorship. Mm-hmm. When you think about the camps we've had four years, you know, three <laughs> <laughs> three and a half. Two, two and a bump and a third, yeah. you know. <laughs> um of camp, what's the long-term goals for RFK at Cornerstone? What what does that look like? Is it is it just camp? Is there a mentorship component? How how does that all fit together? Yeah, uh, I would say for for myself, I um you know when I look at the ministry, I have a few goals um, as. Royal family specifically, I would absolutely love to have a mentorship similar to what I was mm-hmm. part of. I think um, a week of camp can absolutely plant seeds and can absolutely change somebody's life. Um, you know, we talk a little bit of, in training, you know, we go through scriptures of these moments where you have, in volunteer training, we talk through moments in scripture where we have a a biblical figure character who has um, had their life changed in a moment, right? Like the Moses and the burning bush. Yeah, burning bush. As you know, we all have that experience. Just bushes just burning and (laughs) our life changes. Um, But you know, the idea that, oh, can a day change a kid's life? And absolutely it can because we've seen through scripture and I think a lot of us in our own lives might have had a conversation or an interaction with someone that might've planted some seed that changed the trajectory of our life. Um, That being said, I think a lot of us probably would agree that living life 
with somebody is even more uh, instrumental to how uh, you might come to encounter and know the Lord. And so with that said, I, you know, my goal is really to have a mentorship where not only are we engaging with the kids during that week of summer, and for a lot of the children, that'll, no matter how many programs we have, that may be the only time we have with them, just because of the uncertainty and instability of their situation. But for kids who are able to, and maybe do have a more stable or permanent um, living situation, to be able to continue meeting with them through the school year, uh, that would be wonderful. Mm. Uh, And I think that would be, yeah, it it would just be able to build. I mean, you were talking about how so many of our ministries are relationship-based. I think that it would would create more of a um, relationship-based foundation for how we connect and relate to the kids and to be able to stay in their lives through a really um, pivotal season where they're growing in between the ages of 6 and 12 and beyond, teenage years, high school years, somebody's growing so much. Um, to be able to be part of their lives through that um, and meet with them regularly would be tremendous and wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, but even apart from that, I think the even bigger picture, I would say, would honestly be foster care and adoption. Mm-hmm. I hope that through this ministry, the volunteers, maybe people who are similar to me at one point had little to no context about foster care, would— um, that they would want to f- take in foster children um, mm-hmm. if they're in that season of life where they can do that, or that they, they would eventually want to adopt a child that they met at camp or pursue adoption mm-hmm. in general out of the foster care system. So um, ultimately, you know, there's the kids need beds and they need homes. Mm. Um, and I would love for our ministry to also contribute to s- to like the heart of the church as a whole for foster care. Mm. It's funny because I think that, so one of the, as I said before, I think Royal Family, the organization does a really excellent job of kind of guiding and shaping what we do. And one of their requirements for the mentorship program that can kind of launch out of a camp is that you had to have had a camp for at least three years. And it's two years? Oh, two years, Leslie says. (laughs) Um, I thought it was three. Just kidding. This is why she's the director. Um, But it it makes so much sense to me that you start with the camp, because I think one of the things that happened, especially this year to a lot of the volunteers, is that, so I don't know, I don't know what it was. I don't know whether it's just what the last year and a half has been like for so many people, but I think that all of us are kind of just stripped down to the essentials to some degrees. Like, Mm. and I think in the past we've, you know, we focus so much on giving the kids the royal treatment, and we do, and that's and it's fun, and it's just there's so much awesomeness that comes with that. But I think there was something this year where the gospel just felt in some ways a little bit more centered. Like mm-hmm. I think that I don't know whether it's because each one of us has sort of felt just like, well, that's the only thing that actually helps, you know, mm. um, or or whether it was, um, you know, Demetrius was our teacher this year, and he did just such a beautiful job of just sort of boldly and humbly talking about Jesus, and it 
opened up some doors for conversations with some of the kids that I think are are new that we haven't had as much. And mm-hmm. so I think all of that to say that a lot of us came back from camp thinking, man, how can we stay in these kids' lives? Whereas mm-hmm. I think in the past we've sort of, you know, we we talk a lot about the idea that, look, we're planting seeds, and we are. But there was something, I think, about about this year's camp that we all felt like, that was great, what next? Mm. Like, that was, we 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 did something there, and, and that was, like, special and, 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 and hard, but that, that there's sort of some sense that, like, there's more to be done. Mm. Um, and I think Leslie's had that vision for a really long time, and I think maybe some of us are just sort of starting to catch it, mm-hmm. um, which was just really kind of a cool thing or a unique thing to come out of, I think, this year especially. Hmm. What What's the – I mean, I don't know. Maybe this is a separate conversation, but um, – I don't know. We're being recorded, so whatever. Oh, but do, <laughs> what, what what's like? What's the next step in that? Like, is is it is it that what's really needed is someone to spearhead that side of it? Is it what's needed is kind of a groundswell of people who would be willing to make that kind of commitment? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. When, when you all think about yes it, like what's the yeah yeah I it's. It is, it is all of those things. I have, you know, I confess that I always have a little bit of anxiousness each year and wondering if we're going to get the right number of volunteers just for camp. Totally, totally. And there's also the temptation to say, we're not going to take that next step into mentorship until camp is viable and thriving and to have a definition of that of that, which may not exist. I mm. mean, that that might it might just be unrealistic to say, I have a guaranteed sixty people who are always going to come back. Mm. That's probably not going to happen, yeah. especially in LA, where people come and go. Um, but I, yeah, I think it's. I don't want the Lord to have to work on anybody's heart to bring them <laughs> up for the first time. I want to just have it in my right, hand. Right, right, right. <laughs> oh yeah, I would. I know that feel. I would love that. I know that feel. Um, yeah. So I yeah I'm sure you know that tenfold, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah I, you you articulated it perfectly. One one major aspect is to have um, a leader or a small group of mm-hmm. leaders who is invested in um, the mentorship. I, a lot of a lot of what we want to be cautious of, especially when it comes to this community is overpromising and underdelivering, mm. uh, just because so many of the kids, um, you know, in some ways they they were made promises, whether explicit or not, about what yeah. their family would be, what it wouldn't be, where they would be able to live, and for how long. Um, and our goal is to not compound those disappointments. Mm. So it would be important to have um, just have a, a core leadership team that um, is is committed um, mm-hmm. for for whatever amount of time they're able to realistically commit to. And then apart from that, you know, it's it's definitely like continuing to invest in the camp. I think a lot of staffing and resources that come from camp can will overflow. I feel confident that they will overflow into the mentorship when it comes to just yeah um, the agenda of, you know, planning and all of that. Uh, but our biggest need right now is the leadership component. You know, gosh, even as you describe it, 
it is uniquely difficult for us, particularly because I mean, you, you said it about as gently as possible, right? That like people need to be able to commit at least for as long as like is feasible or reasonable for them. Right. At the same time, if we're talking about kids and their lives and kids who keep having people in and out and in and out of their lives, um, at some level, we need a commitment. Like, like you, you need a commitment into those relationships that um, at the very least has a very high probability of not being like, oh, like I was here, but then, you know, I moved out of the area yeah. next year. Yeah. You know, like there, there's a, there's a consistency. And I mean, it almost to, to me, it almost, it, it goes hand in hand with investing in a city and making commitments into an area that, that aren't, you know, unbreakable, but that are more than it, it adds significant factors to the decisions, right. uh, to the diff- different life decisions that we make when, yeah. um, if we're going to step into these kids' lives, you're taking into consideration the upheaval and right. the potential actually damage that comes from that if you're just another For thing sure. they learned, person they learned to love and then lost. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting topic because the ideal scenario is absolutely just consistency and of to course. not right. Um, at the same time, this comes up a lot with camp because there are people who say, oh, I'm graduating from grad school next year. I'm going to move, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And that ha- that they're hesitant because they're worried about what that might mean if they can only help out for one year. Mm. And I would say I wouldn't want that to just discourage anybody. If you mm. can only help out for one summer or if you can only mentor for one year, I still think that that can make a really big impact. I think part of it is – the honesty and one thing I try to encourage oh. volunteers to do is when you're, you know, and, and one thing we talk a lot about in training is how do you model um, dis, like processing disappointment and grief for yeah. the children? Because a lot of the trauma they experience makes it difficult for them to process through loss and that sort of thing in a healthy way. And and so to be able to say, if I'm, you know, interacting with one of the kids, to be able to say, hey, like I'm actually planning on moving next year and I'm really sad about that because I won't get to see you anymore. But, you know, we have like eight more months or however long, Mm. three more days. What can we do to make this time extra special? So Mm. like I think that there's – I think that there's something to be said for not letting that – temporary nature discourage you mm. because if if we let that be the thing then no one will ever yeah, for, for <laughs> right sure. no one will ever participate sure. but i think the longevity aspect for me is a lot having to do with the program itself mm. where and not to say i would happily take people who can come back year after year yeah, for yeah, sure um but the idea that you know i it wouldn't necessarily be healthy to or wise in my opinion, to start a mentorship with someone at the helm who knows for a fact that they're leaving after totally, a year. Totally. Yeah. So I, I don't think I'd thought about it that way. I really appreciate that. I think that's really insightful and also shows the, um, the, the diversity in one sense, the diversity of the ways forward, but the, the, the key component, right. Being that integrity, that honesty, 
the um you know the stepping back from assuming that well if you're going to engage you need to be qualified to be somebody's savior yeah right, right. which is the temptation um and at the same time that our whole point is that we're pointing them to a savior that is unchanging unlike sure. us and walking through that journey um there's a lot of different ways to do that so i, I appreciate that leslie actually that's really I think that's really insightful. Um, as you both think about the next year, as you think about camp Woo-hoo. a year from now, <laughs> I don't know if you're, you're you know, we're, we're 50 weeks away. I don't know if you're allowed to think about it yet. But what, Gar, Gar Mendiola is thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <Yeah. laughs> what, what would you want to say to potential volunteers um, who even hearing this, maybe hearing from their friends about what camp was like this year yeah. are like, I don't know, maybe I'll consider that. Next year, what, what, what would you want to tell them if they're listening now? I mean, I think that the thing about – so we talked a lot earlier in this podcast about, like, how great it went this year. And I don't want to give anybody who's considering volunteering the impression that this is, like, a pleasure cruise in any way in the sense that, like, this is absolutely a sacrificial investment of, mm. of your time and your energy. It will stretch you in ways – you absolutely will not expect and that will not be very fun. It is also so much fun. And it is just one of those things, like I always say, it's like the hardest week of my year, but also one of the best weeks of my year. Mm. Like it's just because you're, again, I think it it strips down, it strips away so many of the things in daily life that we do. And it just, um, there's sort of a simplicity of the service that we're doing that where God is really, really present. And, and um, I also think that, and that there's a way in which like, yeah, 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 we know we're the body of Christ. Mm. Like we know that. We know mm. like hands and feet, we get it. That's, you know, in the Bible. But, <laughs> but there's something about actually experiencing that at camp that is because it, it just, it really is stripped down that much that, you know, one person, there's sort of no ego and you're just all doing what you possibly can for these kids and supporting each other. Um, and there's, there's a, there's a camaraderie among the volunteers that is really precious. Um, it it is funny, like my, Rigel, my husband will kind of like laugh about like, Oh, they, they're RFK people. Cause like mm-hmm. he can just tell sort of the bond I have with people that I went mm-hmm. to RFK with is like a different kind of bond. Mm-hmm. Um, because we've sort of done this thing together. Um, and there's just these moments that you have with the kids. Um, obviously there's some really sad moments, really hard moments, but there's just moments where you sort of see a kid who's been super tough all week, like showed just joy or, mm-hmm you know, a conversation you have where they share something and you get to encourage them or you see them learn something or be proud of themselves for something. There's just these moments that like, um, just, just stay with you. Um, I would, I mean, I, obviously I, I keep coming back. I would definitely encourage anyone Mm -hmm. who's interested to, Mm -hmm. to consider it. Yeah. I, I think I would say, the thing that stands out to me the most is is just to truly consider the kids and to 
maybe just grow in knowledge of who they are mm. and why they're in foster care. I think, you know, I, I can only speak to my own experience, which is once I understood those things and learned about them, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't look away. And mm. I think that there absolutely is something to be said for being honest with where you are in your life and whether or not, you know, it's healthy um, for you to invest in the in the children. But I think so much of the time what stops us is just our plans. I think that's mm. a lot more what is a hesitation, more than will will my heart be able to handle it and what if I love these kids and then I have to say bye to them at the end of the week, which are all legitimate concerns. But I, I think it, at least in my my you know socioeconomic circles, I think a lot of it is just plans. Mm. And um, I suppose I would challenge prospective volunteers to think through whether or not those plans really truly do inhibit your ability to mm. take a week to plus a few hours for training, <laughs> but take <laughs> take a week to um to get to know the children because in my, I mean, to me, I mean, of course, cause I'm directing this mm. camp, why wouldn't I feel this way? But, <laughs> um, that's like where the magic is, is just knowing them. Mm. And, uh, and once you do that, I think it's, it's so good for us to know what this city needs, what it's, you know, the ways that this city is hurting mm. and to not be afraid of, actually looking that um, at face value. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I think I, I think I would just want people to, to truly consider what um, maybe, a, you know, a sacrifice of sorts in their life may result in huge, huge rewards for a child in the foster care system or, you know, in ways that they may not expect. And so I, I would hope that people would just consider, I guess, taking a little leap of faith. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much. I I really appreciate that. And I, I appreciate that, that encouragement, that challenge, that exhortation. And even I think as we think about both the reality, I think there's so many applications to that as we think about the reality of our plans and the reality of the situations in our city of where the Lord has placed us to be the good Samaritan, right? To, um, to live out his upside down kingdom, um, not just in theory, but in real practical ways. And this is such a, a huge opportunity to do that. And I'm so thankful for both of your leadership in that and helping to make it possible for so many of us in the church family. So thank you both for that. And thank you for, um, thanks for taking the time today to get to talk about it. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Scott. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah. And thank you guys for listening. Uh, as we say every week, we love you and we will see you on Sunday.